Hello and welcome to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. This week, we're speaking again to Jacques Lee, a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD. Good to have you here. Thank you, Zhang Zhou. It's absolutely my pleasure to continue our dialogue. The pleasure is all mine. Now, Joka, on the last time we spoke on this show, we discussed the emotional path that people take when dealing with failure. We touched on it. We touched on the fact that uh, the emotional path, less traveled, is the one that deals with failure in a positive way. We talked about recognizing failure, about the personal pressures that you've had, that many people have in the workplace when dealing with failure. And so in episode two, I wanted to look at managing emotions. Now, managing emotions can be a difficult thing to do in a work environment. Can we just start off by talking about fear? How does the fear of failure impact innovation within organizations and impact teams and their ability to be productive? Zhang Zhou, this is a, such an important question, right? As you point out, this is a, one of the major roadblocker, the fear of a failure for us to think about how we can grow as individual, as professionals, and also for the team to really innovate and to achieve grand goals. And the reason fear, I think, is in our way has to do with the fundamental psychology for the human being. Because even at a very young age, we actually usually pay attention probably to our learning through achievement and then our motivation also depends on to what extent we can achieve goal. But the flip side is that when we actually do not achieve anything, that fear usually equals to rejection, exclusion, and a lot of doubts. So as a human beings, so we also tend to be gravitated to the negative things. And the social psychologists have this term called a negativity bias, which means that we pay so much actually attention to the negative event or outcomes and need actually way more compensation to overcome that negative emotions to feel, let's say, go back to the normal emotions or mood again. So you can imagine that when actually we fail at our task, or particularly when we actually feel we fail at work, then that's always harder to deal with. You know, in addition to that fear, is something is so particular related to the work context. Usually we worry about how our colleague evaluate us, how our boss would actually judge us whether we are going to get the next opportunity, whether we appear competent and helpful, or even a team player. So I think that that's actually something fundamental to workplace. But you also ask about you know how actually the fear of failure impacts innovation and the teams. As you can see that because if that's the bottom line, when people feel so limited by the fear, and obviously, then the team probably would not actually have that open space to say, let's all actually talk about our mistakes. Let's talk about what we can learn. Let's contribute ideas. So innovation do suffer. So innovation suffers. I, I believe that you know many of our listeners will have had an experience with fear, the fear of failure in the workplace kind of inhibiting them, making them not want to 
try new things, to sort of get out on a limb. How can we mitigate that? How do you foster a culture of experimentation, creativity, or just a culture in which people feel they can fail and come back from it? Yeah, this is an excellent question, right? I would recommend us to really think a little bit about a, a bit more systematic approach. So, which means that first of all, I think we need to start with ourselves. I think that's why nowadays we heard a lot of this concept of the growth mindset. I think as individuals, that I think take a painstaking effort for us to overcome that fear and adopt. A growth mindset, and then this is actually, I think, to, to overcome that、uh, fear is team sports as well. That's when actually the team, I think,、uh, need to really think about how we actually create that safe space. So first, we actually can admit mistakes or failure first, and then we can actually discuss about them, and we share our experiences, we share our reflections. And then the next level is that I think,、uh, in the way that、uh, organizations, particularly leaders, need to be intentional about that, need to be attention that、uh, first of all, you know, acknowledge right to her is a human being, and to her is a human, and、uh, then at least there should be some safe space there to talk about it, to come forward for the failure. But it's also very important for the leaders to really think about、uh, how this can be actually a shared paradigm or shared mindset for the organization for the team, and、uh, this is actually with caveat as well. Is、uh, you know we know the concept of psychological safety, which means that we can admit our mistake, we can discuss about the failures, but don't forget that leaders is also need to be there to create the scaffolding, provide support. But hold everyone accountable as well. I think the performance and the learning need to go hand in hand. And so you're talking there about the balance, and and of course there is a balance in every workplace between allowing there to be space to fail and making sure that failure is not the rule, right? It doesn't become something that's constantly repeated within a workplace. So how do Leaders strike that balance. I mean, have you done done any research on this? Is there a way of kind of figuring that out for oneself? Yeah, this is a, such a actually important question, and、uh, is related to our daily challenges. Particularly, I think this is also related to what we discussed in episode one. We basically say that well, I believe that we need to. We need to differentiate different type of failures. I think the good news is that for some we call the basic failures, usually meaning that you know there should be certain procedure, protocol, guidance, standards, process we can follow, and then to improve our performance. I think for those type of failure, I think leaders, organizations have to be very you know mindful and intentional, even to some extent. Strict about following those guidance protocols process. So that's the concept of, for example, quality control and the Six Sigma and continuous learning. All this concept is going to help organizations and the leader. So that's actually accountability part. I think that's by default. We need to actually address that type of failure in a very methodical way. 
so in fact, some of you know my research, if such as in the hospitals and in, for example, manufacturers, we actually really make sure that uh, organizations know what is the right protocols, and then, for example. In so-called high reliability organizations such as、uh, navy ships and hospitals or aviations, luckily we have those guidelines. It's often that need a reminder and also the right incentive to set up to hold an employee accountable. So that's that part. But then the other learning and the innovation part becomes.、Uh, Probably more exciting, but also in a way that are more challenging as well. Because、uh, I think this is the space that I think、uh, organizations and leaders really need to make it very intentional to say that.、Uh, well, here's actually some safe space. For example, some example is like Google's principle, right? You actually have eighty、uh, percent of time to working on the mandate projects. But we give you twenty percent of time to really play and innovate, and that twenty percent, we know that probably most of the time is going to fail those projects. However, that's safe for you to play the strengths and then to experiment to really learn and explore. So I I think that's some、uh, hybrid model need to be there. But the fundamental thing, I still think that you know the paradigm shift and also psychological safety are the key for us to achieve the performance while holding the employees accountable for performance. And so you you mentioned the a shift. I want to come to a cultural aspect of this. You know, when it comes to failure, failure can be seen. In a very different ways across the world, in different workplaces, and as you've already mentioned, in different sectors. Obviously, there is a you know much, much bigger effect of failure on the examples you've given a navy ship to a hospital than there would perhaps be in a tech company. Well, I mean, of course, it depends on which tech company. Can you talk to me a little bit about that, the cultural attitude, and how that might inform people's kind of emotional reaction to failure? This is something I personally really care about. I'm just going to maybe briefly talk about one recent projects I did with the Navy ship, and I brought into the projects because of my work in safety, climate, and also air management. And there, I think is fascinating for us to know, right? You know, by default, safety. Is first because when you are operating in those extreme environment,、uh, even the routine task have a significant impact, and for them they have a you know they meticulously follow the procedural protocols. But it's also interesting that because、uh, particularly also I think I conducted the projects during the COVID time, the well-being, fatigue, all this sort of a, almost a, considered as the soft part of the job. Become more prevalent. So then, when we actually try to help the navy ship to really ensure the performance, we actually also dived into this: how we actually can show some care for the you know officers on the ship. And it's fascinating for us to really know that, indeed, despite that they are so good at following the hardcore protocols. Chain of command, safety, climate protocols, everything we recognize, and still have that human touch 
and created that caring and safety space for them to discuss their daily work, to talk about some of the potential challenges, make huge differences. And then we recognize actually indeed that they're near misses because luckily, right, for a Navy ship, they cannot have a fatal failures, but they do have a near misses instance. The near misses actually reduced and also their well-being actually increased. And also we are happier is that so-called suggesting boxes also is a fuller because, you know, those officers and the staff members and uh, everyone feel more engaged. Then they start to actually propose different ways to improve their procedures and uh, even their actually daily life on those actual ships. So you've talked there about a few of the benefits of creating a more failure tolerant culture, one of them being engagement. Were you surprised with that kind of outcome? Were you surprised that people felt in this example, they were more able to come forward with their own complaints, their own ideas for improving things in that kind of a culture? I think uh, to me, the answer would be most of the time, no, but there is some always nuances there, right? Because, uh, for example, when I study, work closely with hospital physicians and uh, healthcare professionals, and we know that the safety culture is uh, almost a must, because for a long time, they operate that a failure is not an option, sort of, a, you know, this blaming culture. And we know that that a human touch make a difference. I guess, you know, a little bit of surprising part from a, particularly this, uh, you know, contact of a Navy ships is that because supposedly all this uh, trainees and uh, Navy actually officers, they are supposed to be tough as nails. And they also know their job very well. They have a, such actually great procedures and the protocols to follow. If you think about a, a lot of the concept we borrowed from, you know, military or Navy contacts, and they usually they have a excellent leadership. For example, their captains usually they would consider as a role model. But still, we recognize that uh, among all the safety dimensions, actually their actually supervisory care and a positive working environment considered as a, a two of the top three dimensions to drive the performance increase, including, because I would mention not really necessarily dealing with failures, but come up with more constructive improvement suggestions. I think that's encouraging. Because after all, we recognize it is that's why I mentioned it's a systematic approach. We need the hardware part, so which means the structure, protocol, and the process procedures there. But we also need the so-called soft side, which means the culture and especially the caring safety culture there. You talked earlier about accountability, and it strikes me that many will have the experience of knowing that one person you know perhaps in the office i don't know about navy ships but you know perhaps on a navy ship too where there's that person or group or perhaps even a whole team that it's never their fault you know they're never the ones where the weak link was found it always has to be no it was this person no it was that team how do you deal with that kind of attitude to failure uh, within 
organizations, within teams, or just within individuals. I mean, at whatever level you're talking about, how do you deal with that emotional response that pushes people to place failure elsewhere rather than stand up and take responsibility for it? Yeah, it's a, I think it's a very natural responses. And again, it's the emotion. I think that usually there is two pathways for us to channel those negative emotions. Some people take the path, really internalize, and sometimes really start to have a lot of self-criticism and blame self. And that's what we actually briefly talked about early on. I said, well, this is a time, sometimes you start to also even develop the learning helplessness. And this is something, that's why I said, well, working on yourself, and hopefully the leader will have a good mentor, will have a social support community to realize, remind you who you are and uh, you embrace that failure and you pivot and rebound from that. That's one pathway. And then the other, I think, is more you talked about, uh, which is also potential to have uh, as much or even more impact because when we talk about uh, Another natural tendency is that when I'm in the team or I'm even in the team nested in some division, we actually maybe potentially is the attribution, so-called attribution bias. That we would point to other people. We just say, well, it's all circumstances. It's not me. It's someone else. Maybe you tend to blame the machine, blame the procedure. There are some fair points in those, right? Because there is always a circumstances out of uncontrol. But I think the attitude, or that's what we call the paradigm shift, is that should not, I think particular leaders need to watch out. Those attribution bias is not a, about a outsource the responsibility. I think is that there is always a room for us to still think about the accountability is that what is the deeper root for that? It is really the circumstances, or maybe potentially it is a circumstance, but the deep root is that maybe we did not actually have the most of the well thought out process or well designed, or maybe we operate in different silo. That's why when, for example, in hospital, when we deal with the whole process where failures or errors are most likely to occur. But if we actually only think of pointing to some specific step or one particular person, maybe nobody's accountable. So again, I think uh, leaders need to be the conductor to, for example, build up individuals if they actually have that uh, probably too much blame on themselves, but also the leaders should be the conductor to really orchestrate the whole system and including director reports, different uh, divisions and different teams. And, you know, on that, how far do you think leaders should be going to take on the emotional strain within their team. You know, it strikes me that when working with people that some regard as good leaders, qualities they may look for are the kind of people that will always go out, you know, so to speak, to bat for their team. They'll always be there to take the weight, whether it comes from above, from the side, you know, internal or external. But how much do you think that that is an integral and important part of the leadership journey? And when does that slide into being counterproductive where they're perhaps taking too much this is a very important and complex questions so i'm going to i think uh, probably treat it as two part one part is that uh, right the important role of this actually 
make emotions, and then to what extent the leaders need to address it. I would say yes, it's very important. Especially, I would say it's also a little bit about the organizational life. We tend to park the emotions outside the office, but we actually underestimate the power. Of the emotions, and particularly in the failure, we already talk about the stigma, the negative bias associated with failure. So, I would recommend the leaders really actually address that, particularly by humanize yourself. The reason I'm saying is that、uh, because、uh, unless leader actually really build that safe space, and、uh, people is not going to be feel comfortable to come forward. To discuss failures, to really, you know, admit failures, and、uh, this is also why I think the construct of a psychological safety initially actually really addressed this fear factor. And、uh, the famous、uh, Google's Aristotle projects was so powerful. Is also right that all this actually instance they actually discovered is when the team leaders recognize that we are all human beings, so which means that we all have emotions and.、Uh, That part to earn a human, that is actually who we as a human being, the humanity need to be there, and then also I think after building that、uh, common connection of a humanity based on humanity, we also I think a leader I recommend that you know is that we as leaders let's actually also have some、uh, humility as well because we all know that we have actually. Fail at some point. We all made a mistake at some point. So I think that's that part. Then the second part of your question is to say that well, doesn't mean that we are just always you know shoulder padding and always have the safety net. Whenever we fail, whenever we actually under deliver, the question is no. I think that's why you know being very clear about the standard and define the problem is very important. I think the leader need to be very consistent and persistent and even insistent in terms of the what is the performance standard. Otherwise, I think indeed only in talking about the negative feelings of a failure or fear of failure is not going to drive the performance. I think that this is a the standard and this humility and the humanity need to go hand in hand. Jeka, I think that on that note, humility and humanity going hand in hand. That note is a great place to stop. I want to thank you again for coming on the show, and、uh, just as a reminder to listeners, Jeka Lei is a professor of leadership and organizational behavior at IMD. The next time we speak, we'll be discussing how to adapt and innovate and learn from failure. See you next time.